What's the matter with me? I interview San Mateo Unified High School District board member Ligia Andrade Zuniga for KFJC. You are tuned into the What's the Matter with Me podcast. My name is John. I'm 41 years old, father, husband, small business owner, radio DJ, podcaster, and I have multiple sclerosis, so I made this podcast to share what I'm going through. This time around, I interviewed Ligia Andrade Zuniga for KFJC. She was recently elected to the San Mateo Unified High School District Board. She's disabled. She's in a wheelchair. She has a spinal cord injury. And we'll hear about that. We'll hear about her, how she won. I wanted to talk with her. Like People like her don't win things. So, and they're not visible. We'll talk about that. This material was developed as part of a group at KFJC working to bring underrepresented voices onto the airwaves in order to promote and increase diversity at the station and to bring different voices on the air. It originally aired on Monday, December 28th from 6 to 7 p.m. on Robert Emmett's Thought line public public affairs program lots of what Ligia said is very powerful and it resonated with me personally about visibility about how disabled people are not visible and one thing my air name on kfjc is hemorrhoid the leader Please don't be alarmed. It's just an alias. We have to get an alias, and I chose that one. Hemorrhoid the leader. Interviewing Lihia was suggested to me by Alice Wong of the Disability Visibility Project. And she's like a really cool character. She went to the White House in 2015 as a robot. It's a teleporting robot. Check it out. Um, she runs the disability visibility project. She said it's all about passing the mic. So without further ado, let's hear from newly elected San Mateo Unified High School District Board Member Lija Andrade Zuniga. Buckle in, enjoy. You're listening to the What's the Matter with Me podcast. <laughs> Greetings, this is Hemory, the leader reporting for KFJC 89.7 FM, your source for sound and kfjc.org. Today we're bringing you a conversation with Lihia Andrade Zuniga, who won election to the San Mateo Union High School District Board of Trustees in the November election. Active in our local community for over two decades, she is a Colombian-American mother of two, holds a master's in public administration and uses a wheelchair. We spoke to her to find out how she won, why she's in there, and what her victory means. Hi, Lihia. Hi. <laughs> hey, how are you? Good, how are you? All right. 
We're here on Thoughtline. This is Henry, the leader. I'm here with Nihia Andrade Zuniga, and she is on the San Mateo Unified High School District Board. And I wanted to talk with you about that because you're a candidate that is outside the box when people think of a political candidate. And I'm looking at your materials and it's a lot about inclusion. And I, I wanted you to kind of speak about how does a person like you get into office? Well, <laughs> um, thank you so much for having me on your, on your podcast. I really appreciate the interest. Um, we need to have more people uh, with disabilities involved in uh, leadership roles and in um, government. Um, so I've started, I started on different boards and commissions early on um, with the intention to bring more representation to not only women of color, um, but people with disabilities in general um, into government and um, those types of advocacy and influential roles. I, before, in 2009, I had an injury. I have a spinal cord injury. Um, and so before that, I was already involved, but I didn't ever, I don't ever remember seeing anyone um, with a disability, either I really wasn't paying attention because that's typically what happens, we're invisible, um, or I just honestly really didn't see anyone um, with a disability. So after my injury, uh, I really, I got involved um, in the disability rights movement, specifically uh, independent living because I started working for the, for the I'm sorry, excuse me, Silicon Valley Independent Living Center. And that's where I really learned a lot about the social justice piece of disability. Um, I was a big advocate before for, again, you know, for immigrants' rights and uh, women of color, young women of color, young people of color. Um, but I didn't know this part. And so when I started it, it was just like, I was home. Um, I had a really great foundation from before, and so it seeped into this, which was perfect. Um, so then, you know, moving forward, not only do I want to be influential for my community, but I also want to show my children that there are different different communities of people in our world that have to be elevated, just as everyone else is, um, and that's and not just elevated, but advocated for and just having a seat at the table, given a room to also advocate and be influential. So, um, you know, that was my, my purpose and my intention. Now, in, on the Cemetery Union High School District Board, um, I am the first woman of color with a disability to ever serve or to ever be elected um, on this board. And I honestly can't even really remember anyone in San Mateo County being elected with these types of um, these types of just demographical um, pieces of my life, you know. And so that's very concerning because if we don't have leadership that reflects our communities and that reflects every single person with every single um, type of life in our community, 
then certain people will be left out of being influenced into but also helping and being involved. There's no, if there's no representation, there's no desire or no, not even desire, but there's no um, chance of people saying, you know, someone there looks like me, I can totally do this. You know, and young people, that's, it's very important for us to have that, that alignment with our young people to show them that I'm here, I did it. You know, here's how you do it. These are the tools I will help you um, without, you know, with them wanting to or even just know, thinking that they can do it too. I know for me, that's what has influenced me is after I was injured, I thought that this part of my life, because this is something that I've always wanted to do. I have a master's in public administration and uh, government and influence and leadership has always been my desire and I've always wanted to run for office. And so when I got hurt, I thought, well, that's not going to happen anymore. And so when I finally saw people like Tammy Duckworth and um, other people, influential people in our community um, as leaders with disabilities, as people of color, then I was like, you know what, this isn't over. And so now, you know, being elected, I'm like, yeah, you know, this is what I need. It's not over and we can do this if we help each other. I got a lot of help with my campaign. If it wasn't for that help, I, I don't think I would have been as successful. Um, but it's because those people also saw something that was needed and that was lacking that needed to be, um, that needed to be placed in this position so our community could be that much more, um, that much, just that much better, you know, and not that I'm going to solve, I can't possibly solve every single problem, right, for our community, but what I can do is bring us that much closer to social change. Yes, definitely, and you deserve a major kudos, kudos for that, so... Something you talked about, one of the things I wanted, your history is very important and you kind of alluded to it there with your master's in public policy. And I wanted to, I wanted to ask you again, what is your, you said you always wanted to be involved with government and always involved with leading our society. How did you go about that prior to 2009? My, my history is really interesting. I, um, I had a lot of changes in what I wanted to do. You know, it's hard that we put so much pressure on like a 17 year old kid that's graduating from high school to say, what are you going to do forever? <laughs> Where are you going to go to school? You know what? So you know, your mind changes. Um, I had my older son when I was 17 years old. Um, I was still in high school. It was the summer between my junior and senior year. And um, before that, I was really involved in school and um, I was a really good kid. And I got caught up in stuff that for a little bit that I just, I don't know, that there were other issues around my life that 
I think I just hadn't dealt with that brought me to that place. Um, but I had a, a high school counselor that was really supportive and she knew my potential. Um, she knew what I was capable of. Um, I was still in like my advanced placement classes and things like that. So she said, you know, this, this young woman is not going to go to the continuation school. She's going to stay on campus and I'm going to help her. And like it, it even was to the point where she watched my son in her office for me when I went back to school when he was like a month or two old when I didn't have a sitter and I had to get to AP English in the morning, you know? And so like that already showed me that um, I needed to get to, to also do this for others, like helping them with what they need to get to that place. And so I was on the commission on the status of women after I graduated from high school. And um, I was on the teen pregnancy prevention coalition. I did a lot of nonprofit work with um, just preventing teen pregnancy and domestic violence and um, gang prevention intervention stuff. And um, I got really involved. And so it really like kind of put a fire under me. And my senior year, I had a great teacher that showed us how to march and how to use our voices to um, create that type of influence. And so I went to college and um, what I really learned though was that, like this is my opinion, that the most, the most influential way to really create changes for our communities are through the system. Um, are through government, are through creating policies and um, legislation and regulations and things like that that are going to be more in our favor, not against us. And so to change things, um, that is, I think, the most effective way. Because we can, like, I, I'm all for marching, I'm all for protesting, and we need that. We need people out there to uh, to speak out and to show that the uh, the anger and the frustration and the hope and the, um, the truth and all of that. We need that. But what goes on beyond that? What happens after that's done? We need people also at the top that need to change specific things that prevent our people from moving forward. And so that's when, that's why I, I ended up with a bachelor's degree in human services and a master's in public administration because I just feel like first we need the foundation of how to help the community. Um, grassroots, boots on the ground, everything, you know, from the beginning. But then what, again, what's next? So that was the next step that I took and why, why I got my master's was because I need a seat at the table at the top of the list, um, at the top of the, of the, of the leadership um, because then I can say, no, this is right, or no, this isn't right. Yes, this is okay. Um, this is what needs to be changed for my community. Um, and so I think, yeah, I mean, that's that's basically why. Um, and now that I have my children, um, my kids are older now, they're both in college. Now they're moving forward with the same type of perspective, which I love. And not that I wanted them to be, you know, just like me. They need to be their own individual people and they're doing this, um, you know, in their own way through um, dance and sports and um, other types of courses and journalism and 
ethnic studies and things like that. Um, but I really wanted to plant those seeds because it's them that are going to continue this work. Um, and not just them, but young people around us, which is, you know, what my intention is with this, with this board. Um, we need to educate and we need to elevate and we need to encourage and empower our youth um, and their families, because if their families are supported, the youth are supported. If our teachers are supported, our families are supported and our youth are supported. So it's all, you know, it's, it's, it's all relative. It's all connected. Interesting hearing you speak. Your election to the board represents integration for people with disabilities into the decision-making process, like you were saying. How do we get inclusion in this, this, the public in the schools, right, on the ground? I really think it starts with educating people um, and having them exposed to something that's different than they are. Um, because we all have our own um, biases, right? We have our own uh, experiences and ideas of what is what. Disability hasn't always been seen in such a positive light, um, nor has it been included in anything, any type of influence or any type of leadership. So in order to, to create that inclusion, I have to, it's not that I have to prove myself, but I have to show people, you know, what we, like who we are. And they need to meet people as humans, like as, as another person. Um, so then they can say, oh, okay, well, I know someone like that. So it's not what I thought it was. Um, typically, in my opinion, I think that's what happens is that we have these stereotypes, we have these um, biases and then until we see something different or influenced in a different way then we can say oh I can include this in my life then I get it um, I'm, I'm lucky that my grandmother was had a physical disability so I was as a kid I was comfortable with disability growing up I was cool with disability so I didn't really know that um, that whole part of that people with disabilities are not quote-unquote capable um, but I did feel the discrimination and the exclusion with my grandma and uh, the way that people would look at us and talk about us and the shock that they had when they knew that she raised children and was, uh, was a professional and things like that. Um, and then even just being a woman of color, the constant having to, to prove myself and prove myself that yes, I'm ready, yes, I belong here. Um, that, I don't, um, that I don't fit the stereotype that people think. The whole, gosh, you know, you speak English so well. <laughs> my family is from Guatemala. My parents are, um, they immigrated here in the 70s. Um, separately, they met here in San Francisco and um, they had us here and things like that. But, um, you know, again, it's going back to those stereotypes and until people are like, oh, well, no, I, I know someone like that, you know. And then even going into, um, like you were saying about um, how do we get to that inclusion? Um, well, that's the thing, you know, it's like humanizing everything. Um, creating connections, communicating, sharing stories, sharing ideas. Um, I think that's, that's when, when we can do that. A little bit. We talk. I forgot to mention one more thing. Sorry, I apologize, I interrupted you. 
Um, the other thing is advocating and um, creating those spaces so everyone has the ability to have that voice um, and to share where they're coming from. Sorry, okay, go ahead. All good, all good. It's not ideal, this format, for sure. Um, so I want to know about you're telling me kind of on an intellectual level how inclusion gets created. People see it. They become comfortable with it. And that kind of dovetails with my next question. What are your plans going forward? You know, how, how is the rubber going to meet the road for you? Oh my gosh, I have so many plans, but I don't want to divulge all of the secrets. <laughs> um, it's hard. You know, when you're first elected to something, you want to go in with an open mind, right? And you want to go in with an open heart and with the willingness to understand. Which is not to say that you don't have to, dis that you can't disagree. You know, you, you can, but really go in like trying to like feel out the dynamics of the group, um, what the culture is like. I don't really know these people that well that are on the board with me. So I really want to create that connection with them first so they can know where I'm coming from, what my intentions are and where I can see where they're coming from as well. I've been able to um, have conversations with everyone, some more extensive than others, um, but it's allowed me to share like what my, like where I'm coming from, why I'm doing this and um, how this is all going to look. Uh, so I think that like for me, my, I really want to create a sort of, um, like more, more visibility, not only for, um, parents with disabilities to be able to have the ability to come and, um, understand what the board does, who the board is, why it's important and how we can serve their families. Um, for example, there are some families in our district that are deaf, for example, and we have Spanish translation at the meetings, and, um, but we don't, I've never seen any other type of translation. So it's also not very advertised. Well, it's not advertised very well that we can create, um, that we can uh, provide accessibility, for example, sign language translation or other languages or accommodations like physical accommodations. That's not like, it's not um, very well advertised. So that's definitely going to change. Um, so those are like little things, right? But then also going into like the students that are the ones that it's like a little advisory council or like students that are like a student board along with the school board, where are the students with disabilities and why aren't they included? Um, why do we only have representation from certain schools? And why is it only a certain kind of student that is a representative? For example, we have a continuation school. We have an adult school. We have um, a, a school that is kind of separate from everything else. It's, it's a charter school, but it's, um, it's called Design Tech, and it's fairly new um, for students who are in the, in the gifted program or whatever it's called. And... Um, that's, you know, that's kind of segregated. Um, and then there are other schools that we have um, throughout the district that are not always fully represented either. So I really want to make sure there is some sort of advisory group that has representation from everyone 
all the high schools that we have, Mills, Cappuccino, Burlingame, Hillsdale, Aragon, uh, San Mateo, um, and then also the Peninsula, the Continuation School, and like I said, the San Mateo Adult School, um, Design Tech. Um, so all of everybody needs to have a seat at that, at that table. And then going also into the parents, like I really want to have parent representation from all of the different parent groups that are, because we have stakeholders all over the district that, that are very influential um, that haven't been able to be heard. Because again, it's a dominating, a dominating group of parents and students. And it's not to say that it's bad, it's just there's an imbalance. And so that's like another one of my, uh, my intentions. But then going into the policies and regulations, you know, it's like there's so many things that I've witnessed over the years since I've been in the district for a long time with my boys. And I've been more, more in, involved, um, like more specifically in their schools and the parent groups in their schools. But I've seen, you know, what, what, what has happened. I've heard what has happened throughout the district. And so that concerns me. I don't want it to continue, especially with services for students with disabilities. But I just really think that it's because there has been a lack of representation. Um, our board has like specific, I guess it has, it's, it has um, specific communities represented, um, but then now that's why I'm there because I represent a completely different demographic, a completely different mindset. And so I really, um, I really hope to, to make some significant change as much as I can, because remember, I'm one person and we need to create consensus on as a group. And so that is why it's important to create community in within our own group. Um, it's important to, um, have conversations and have that communication. Um, it's important for all of us to kind of unpack where we're coming from and who we are, what brought us there, um, what our hangups are, what our biases are, things like that, um, before we can really move forward and say, I'm governing equitably, I'm governing with an open mind. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, I, you've kind of mentioned, alluded to this several times in a couple of different answers now. And I wanted to talk about, I wanted to ask you, um, because the people listening might be interested to learn who influenced you. How did you come to grow your disability consciousness. Um, yeah, who, who were the influencers? Oh my goodness, so many people. I owe this to so many people. Um, well, first, just the Silicon Valley Independent Living Center. I mean, the independent living movement, really, like, it saved my life. Um, I thought, I actually, I didn't think, I, don't, I didn't know what the hell was gonna happen to me after I got hurt. It was like, you're thrown into this life, like there's no transition, there's no um, like baby steps 
getting into a life of complete dependence on other people, of having nav to navigate social services, um, having to navigate accessibility. I mean, you know, you know, it's like when you acquire a disability, um, and I'm, I'm speaking from the, the perspective of someone with an acquired disability. Um, it's confusing and it's scary. Not only are you emotionally dealing with these changes, which it's not like, it's not a bad thing. It, 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 I, I don't see my disability as something negative. I just saw some it, it, as something very scary because I didn't know. I, ha I was very ignorant to a lot of things that I needed. And then there's this learning curve. And the learning curve doesn't allow for anything else but the learning at that moment. So you make a lot of stupid mistakes, a lot of mistakes that aren't, that, you know, were out of your control. Um, a lot of, you do make a lot of progress and you do learn things about yourself. So it's like this, this combination of like a, of, of a tornado of emotion, you know, it's, it's up and down. It's, um, it's stable. It's unstable. It's, um, it's so, such a weird time. And so at that time, like going in, I, I thought again, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do for work. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. So I started working there as doing peer mentoring and then also working in the Olmstead project, helping people transition out of nursing homes. And so as I left the hospital and I left to live independently and I was living on my own and learning that life, I was able to say, Hey, you know, like you could do this too. Um, it's easier for some than it is for others, depending on resources and support, um, but it's doable. And so at that center, gosh, my, one of my best friends, her name is Jody Yarbrough. She lives in Santa Clara. She um, is a little person and she like was one of my first best friends in this life. And she still is. Um, and then there was Sarah Triano, the executive director, she really taught us, taught me about what this meant. And she took a chance on me because I had never worked in independent living or disability justice. And so she took a chance on me to help me understand the role that I was going into, hire me, um, encourage me, uh, and just pretty much everybody there in that center. It was like my new home. And then I was able to move forward and do other things with that. Um, and just the Santa Clara Valley Medical Center, although it was more of a medical setting and a medical model, it started to evolve and our peer support program was like phenomenal. I, that saved my life. Like I thought again, you know, what am I going to do now? Like how, is, how are people going to see me? Especially because I do a lot of work around sexuality and disability. And, and it's more like going into the emotional side and the like psychological perspective yeah, we talk about a lot of physical change, things like that. But it, it starts from like, what now? <laughs> Who am I now? You know, and so um, everybody there just like that, that really helped me like um, Franklin Ely and Kevin Lee and Marvin Connie Tuttle and Ed and Nancy Berger. And um, gosh, there's so many people. Um, uh, Bob Spizak and just a lot of people that really really influenced me. And then one of my best friends, um, Susan, um, she just passed this, Susan Rajic, she just passed this summer. She was a quad. And um, she was like my first 
hot girlfriend on, you know, in this, uh, in this life. And she taught me a lot. And then I met other girls, other women like Misty Merez. And, um, a lot of people, again, you know, that really, really supported me and helped me through this. Um, but taught me. And then I saw like other people in the movement, like Christina Mills. Um, and I'm sure I'm forgetting names and I apologize. I'm, um, there's just so many people that I was blown away by because of like what they were doing for our community. And it was totally in line with my love of social justice, of civil rights, of um, empowerment. Um, and then I met so many women of color with disabilities. So like that's the thing is we need to have people also that look like us so we can say, like I was saying earlier, that we can say, you know, I can do this too. And they can say to us, I did, I, I did this and you can do it too. And this is how. Um, so I, I right now serve on the California State Independent Living Council with the governor's office. And that in itself also meeting other people from all over the nation that are on the independent living councils. That was just like awesome too, because I saw even more leadership. Um, and I met people that were early on in the movement. Um, it's just like, wow. Um, it really pushed me to get out of my comfort and say, you know, yeah, this is going to be a lot of work because not only do I have to navigate what, you know, what, where I can influence and what this means and where I go, but it also makes me navigate my personal care, makes me navigate how to travel, um, how to manage my, like my, my, my body and, being tired and like what everything means of um, like when to say when, you know? And so there's so many things, so many moving parts to this life, as you know. Um, but my children also see that when something, something tragic happens or something that changes your life completely, you don't crumble and fall apart. You might have a hard time at first. It might have really, really terrible experiences, but it also has really amazing experiences. And so who are you now? Like, what does this mean about, like, what your purpose is? And how have you changed? How have you evolved? I think that's the key. And I want them to see that. Like, yeah, you can take time and reflect and, Feel it, right? You have to feel the emotion. You have to go through the grief. You've got to go through the the feeling of hopelessness, you know, the feeling of frustration. But then you also have to in, allow in happiness and hope and um, moving forward. It's inspiring to see someone Ella, who's obviously done the thinking, but then like you're saying, the travel, all the nuts and bolts, nitty gritty that is or is is special for a person with a disability. How would you say to people, how can they expand their disability consciousness and grow that? By listening and by like making a conscious effort to understand 
to listen without judgment, to listen without anything else, like just to listen. Like I think sometimes we listen, but we really don't listen. <laughs> like we listen, but we listen with something else we want to say right after. Uh, and, and that's not listening, you know? And so also seeing, so really seeing people, like really seeing the situation, really seeing, seeing to also understand, not seeing because of a superficial curiosity, seeing with a deep, like a, a deep longing for knowledge, like a, a deep longing to connect with someone else. Um, I, I feel like that every time I meet someone with a dis different disability than mine. Um, I want to ask questions. Like I want to understand and I, I don't want to ask questions or see them um, because like of just, again, superficial curiosity, like how do you go to the bathroom? Like I, you know, that's the part that I, it's not, I don't, I don't, not that I don't care, you know, that you know, about certain needs, but I want to know like, how can I be, how can I be, uh, a support, you know, how can I understand them? So then when I encounter someone else or when I myself might need a different way of doing things, I can remember that. Okay, wait, no, this is what it is, you know, and um, all of our di disabilities are so different, even when we do have the same disability. Um, so that's also important, even within our, within our own circles to really understand. Um, but I think also um, you create a family of people in a family, everybody has something different going on, right? So we don't all like the same things. We don't all look the same. We don't all eat the same things. We don't all um, live in the same places, but we're still our, a family. It's the same thing, I think, with our community. Um, I like to see my community as part of my family because that is where I reside, like what's around me, what's going to influence me, what, what I'm going to influence. Um, how I can see where things can be improved and, and where things are going great. Um, and I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of my community. I'm very proud of my family. Absolutely. I love it. This is great. Hey, I, I, um, I asked you before who influenced you, but now I want to kind of ask the other uh, question. Is there, in the other half of the coin here, is there people, are there people coming up that our listeners should hear about, should look out for? Can you like uh, lay the path of? I'm sorry, so you said, um, are there people that what? Who's coming, who in, uh, in I, I'm not sure how to describe the political disability cohort organization. It's not an organization, but who is coming up? I said, who influenced you, right? Like what disabled people were there or people influence you to grow your disability consciousness? Are there people on the horizon that people should be looking out for or ways people should look out for people that might. Yes. So um, there's a, a program called YLF, the Youth Leadership Forum. Um, students that are coming through there, through that pipeline, 
with um, disabilities and then also Yo Disabled and Proud students coming up through there. I know um, Christina Mills came through that pipeline and she's a great leader. But um, Sarah Musavian, she um, she was really, really young. I think she was a, uh, she was involved in Yo Disabled and Proud, which is like the youth part of the disability movement. When I first started um, at the Silicon Valley Independent Living Center, I think she was still in high school. And so now she's like 20 something. She worked for the Department of Transportation in San Francisco. Um, and she's on the California, um, the California State Independent Living Council with me. And she's great. She asks really great questions. She's really young, um, her, for sure. And she's a woman of color. Um, and then I'm sure there's others. I'm not, I don't know if I, if they're, they'd give me permission to use their name, but um, there are other students, like I said, um, coming up through those two groups. So I think paying attention to our communities, um, our centers for independent living, um, the commissions on disabilities, the California uh, State Independent Living Councils, California Foundation for Independent Living, um, all of these different organizations that really um, that really embrace and and influence um, what, by educating our young people with disabilities. In in my county, there aren't a lot of people that um, are that identify as someone with this with a disability that are, that are going towards leadership, um, unfortunately. But that's because I believe there hasn't been that support, you know, and so that's unfortunate. We have a ton of young people here. Um, and then there's the stigma that we can't shake, that, it, you know, disability is not desirable, that people can't move forward. And then in San Mateo County, we had uh, – example of Ed Roberts and then students don't even know about that so like that really bothers me because that is what's maybe preventing our youth from moving forward my my older son has a learning disability and he he's a he's a man of color um he is a belly dancer and um even with him you know like the dance so he started out playing football and like the activities of like the sports and now the dance has really helped him with his disability. Um, it helps him focus, it helps him um, without having to take medication. I'm not saying that that's, that's good for some people, but for us, it hasn't been okay. Um, he, it's been more helpful to do things that have um, like structured his life a little different. That's what's been our support. Um, and so even for my son, like going into ballet, that is a specific, um, it typically is for a specific demographic of people. Um, he's also been really pioneering being a, a man of color with tattoos, you know, with a disability. And um, it, it like that hasn't come from like an affluent background. I mean, that in itself is leadership, you know. And so it doesn't mean that our students and our young people have to be the next senator, you know, they don't have to do it at that extreme, which if they want to, they can, but it could even just be in their schools or being the first student with a disability to, um, you know, be on the softball team or whatever it is, you know, it just, it, it, it's like, but we have to encourage that and we have to empower that and we can't segregate people. Um, and we can't like leave them out or, 
um, treat people differently because uh, like we think that they're like a porcelain doll that's going to break. It's not like, that's not helpful, you know? And so um, also bringing um, like back to the school stuff, bringing in disability history into the schools, um, bringing in teachers and administrators that have disabilities, people on school boards, people on the board of supervisors, people in city councils that look like them, you know, that are people of color or that, um, People that have disabilities, um, again, you know, the groups that are not represented um, in our county. I love where I live, but we preach a lot about inclusion and about equity and things like that, but our leadership doesn't reflect it. That's, that means that, yeah, maybe our intentions are good, but intentions don't really do anything. <laughs> um, we have to really uh, encourage and empower and support. Um, so again, you know, I, I can't really say specific names, but I really am hoping that with my presence on this board, that that can change, that now I can say, you know what, ne you know, and maybe next year or in six months, I can say, you know what, John, these and these and these people look out for them, they're future leaders, you know, that, that would be, that would be awesome. Awesome. Great to hear from you, Lihia. Um, can you do something for me, actually? Do something for our listeners. Can you tell them where they can go to learn more? Absolutely. Um, you can go to my Facebook page. You can look me up. Lihia Andrés Zuniga. Um, I do have things that are bilingual as well for the listeners that, um, that know people that don't speak English that might need some translation into Spanish. Um, I speak Spanish fluently, so if you need any help with that, I can help. Um, you can go to my, my um, Twitter, which is um, at Ligia on Wheels, L-I-G-I-A on O-N Wheels, W-L-Z, um, or my Instagram, which is also Ligia on Wheels, L-I-G-I-A O-N W-L-Z. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. You can look me up with my name as well, but you can also go to my website um, that was, that I used for the campaign, www.vote, V-O-T-E hyphen or dash, um, Ligia, L-I-G-I-A dot org. Um, and then just also you can Google my name. Um, it'll come up with different articles or different types of information that might be helpful to you to learn more about me or just ask, um, message me, um, send me a, an email. Um, my email is um, Ligiasita, L-I-G-I-E-S-I-T-A at gmail.com. And I, I welcome, I welcome conversations. So yeah, those are, those are the ways. Wonderful. Well, it's great for great talking to you today. Thank you for taking time out to speak with us. And I hope to hear more from you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. We need more people like you um, elevating our community and, you know, making more connections. Um, I'm going to put a plug in people, please, please vote when you, you know, if it's time to vote, um, Get involved in your local communities. Get on boards and commissions. We need more people with disabilities influencing um, our 
decision makers, our policymakers, um, influencing uh, legislation and things that directly affect our communities. Again, I, that's my opinion, um, but the most effective ways of social change is from the top. So um, please, please, um, if that's your desire, if, and you need some, if you need some assistance and some push with that, call me <laughs> or email me. Fantastic. All right, Lihia, you have a good and Thank you so much. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you for listening. You can reach Lihia through her campaign website, www.vote-lihia.org. That's V-O-T-E-L-I-G-I-A dot O-R-G. She's on Twitter at Lihia on Wheels. It's L-I-G-I-A-O-N-W-L-Z. This material was developed to bring underrepresented voices onto the airwaves at KFJC in order to promote and increase diversity at the station. For your source, KFJC, I'm Hemorrhoid, the leader. Catch you next time. All right, What's the Matter With Me podcast. Come on, you're listening to the What's the Matter With Me podcast. Thank you for staying down the whole time. Obviously, you could hear the mic cut out. The interview was over Zoom. Sue me. I wanted to get Lihia across. I hope I did. And thank you for listening to the What's the Matter With Me podcast. Past episodes. You can find them at what's the matter with me.org. And you can email me. I'll give you a shout out. My email is john at hoppinworld.com. Give me an email. I'll give you a shout out on the show. That's how it works. Thank you for listening to the What's the Matter with Me podcast.